0: Welcome back. I am with Justin Watson. We're going to talk about his writing career. So Justin, how did you get into this writing gig starting from the beginning? So like bio time,
1: bio time, bio time, bio time. Okay. So I guess I'll start out by saying that there were only three professions. I really seriously considered as a kid, you know, when you're a kid and you're talking about what you want to be when you grow up. One was a soldier, which I ended up being. I did end up joining the army like my dad, my granddad, and all my uncles. One was actually because my mom was obsessed with law and order. For a while, I wanted to be a district district attorney. Like I wanted to be a prosecutor for a while. And I'm a very argumentative personality and obviously love the sound of my own voice. So my mom was really hoping I would pursue law. Then... In my teenage years, I realized the raw amount of study and work that goes into getting a law degree and the fact that you are you don't no one is or hardly anyone is just a prosecutor and that it is much more complex than that. And then I realized I would probably take the work too emotionally to be a good prosecutor. So I kind of, you know, put aside the idea of the legal profession when I was 14 or 15, maybe 16 years old. I thought, you know, man, maybe not for me. Still wanted to be in the Army. So that shaped where I applied for college. The other profession that I've wanted to be since I was probably about nine or ten years old and started reading was a novelist. I grew up with Robert A. Heinlein as my favorite author. My dad read his his juvenile books to me, which are still great, still hold up. I've, I'm reading them to my kids right now. Actually, I'm going on a, a read through of the classics, including books like Starship Troopers, Half Space, It Will Travel, and they really just latched into my imagination and after a few years of consuming those books and other novels from various fantasy and science fiction writers, I really was enamored with the idea of creating my own stories like that. So I knew after I eliminated being a prosecutor, I knew I wanted to be a soldier and an author. And I do have a collaborative novel out with Tom Crapman and Casey Azell. So I, I actually am both a soldier and have been a soldier and I am an author, so I'm. And we I feel will talk about that. that. Very blessed. And we will talk about respect. that, and we will talk about that novel on the on the back end of this sure, sure.
0: But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
1: No, I mean that's basically it. So that that that's how I came into it. Now the actual path that way, I throughout my teen years, I wrote several things that sucked really bad, but I kept plugging at it. I ended up getting accept, accepted to West Point. I was the last member of my class admitted to West Point. I know this because they didn't even have my name tags ready. When I got to West Point, I was, they called me New Cadet Delta Force because I was walking around with a slick uniform. Hey, New Cadet Delta, where are you headed? sorry sir they don't have my name ties. i didn't ask you for a fucking excuse new cadet delta keep moving which senator which
0: which senator congressperson or i guess presidential i guess your father was in vietnam so you 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 uh, it's possible you could have gotten more than 100 presidential things my dad
1: my dad did not have a medal of honor and uh, oh yeah any combat awards he did have were may still be stuff I can't talk about. So I will say I was Wally Herger in California, one of the Republican districts up north, well away from San Francisco and San Fernando Valley and and all those areas. So Northern California, the part that keeps trying to break away, the part that wants to be Jefferson really, really bad is where I went to high school and where I got my nomination.
0: And then Susanville's on like the desert side of the uh, Sierras, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty dry, but it's it is on the desert side, but it's also very, it's still pretty green. We have a lot of lakes, so it's not properly into like the Mojave or anything. So it's it's actually pretty good terrain up there. It gets pretty cold. I was, we actually, bit of a tangent, but my dad's last duty station in the army was Alaska. So when he said we were retiring and moving to California, I had Baywatch in my head. I was, I was, tragically disappointed when I went to a place that was still snowing in late April uh, so that was uh I was like well crap we could have just stayed in Alaska dad what did like, your no. dad
0: do that that you that you can't talk about like directionally
1: I'll talk to you offline
0: okay got it okay yeah, all right I'll continue sorry sorry sorry
1: yeah sorry. yeah we can talk to you, offline. you can leave this in the video but you and I can talk offline
0: yeah, yeah, of um, course. Very tantalizing. So, okay.
1: So his MOS, I can tell you his MOS. He was a helicopter pilot. He was a, retired as a CW4, Chief Warrant Officer Four, and he had a much more positive attitude about the Army than I did when I left because he spent his whole time flying helicopters and not necessarily putting up with officer bullshit. So yeah, he was flew. He started out uh, in attack and then transitioned to scout. So he started out in Cobras and then ended up flying OH-58s as well as a few other airframes throughout his career. Okay. So I'm getting what you're putting out. Okay, I got it. So that was my was dad. He, he was awesome.
0: W- w- was he Was he around when they uh, they were using OH-58 deltas on the on the Mexican border to you know back, back before th- the Marines like shot a farmer? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Amongst other things, but yeah. So he was really freaking cool, and he was an awesome dad. You know, Vietnam vet, but he. He taught me not to assume that you have to lean into the negative stereotypes of a veteran. Because he was, he had gone through Vietnam, and he, he was very stable. He was very, a very loving father. He had some issues. I'm not going to say he did, but he was present and affectionate, and disciplined, and stayed engaged with me and my older brother and my mom. And I always took that as a source of strength for when I would go to Iraq and Afghanistan. It set a good standard for if you have issues, you need to get them. You need to deal with them. You need to seek out help if you need help but you don't get to take them out on your family. So I, I always appreciate that about him. So when I joined the army, even though I come from a very heavily military family, I didn't feel pressure to join the army. I thought my dad was awesome and I wanted to be like him. So it was not a push thing. It was a pull leadership. Thing. So you said you went to West Point, right? How was the cow? <laughs> She walks, she's talks, she's full of chalk. The lacteal fluid extracted from the female, the bovine species, is highly prolific to the nth degree. Oh, my God. That's, I can't believe you made me do that. But, yeah, I, I do remember how the cat was. I, 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 almost, I almost
0: went to West Point. I, okay. I, was, I, I, had, I had appointments to all three, and I decided to go to, you know, sunny California instead. It was worth it, but I I, I was like, starting. I tried to get any edge I could, so I was starting to memorize that stuff, right? So, what is yeah. it? She, she walks, she talks, she's full of chalk. The female member of the bovine species. The lacteal the bovine, bovine extracted
1: for the female of the member of the bovine, bovine is highly, highly prolific the to the, the nth degree, but nth is you're supposed to count how many cartons of milk are on the dinner table and then say highly prolific to the seventh oh, I didn't know degree. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and there's all kinds of sing-songy, cutesy knowledge we have that we have to do too. I'm not going to recite it all for you right now because no, it's late no, and no. I'm tired. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, anyway, sorry, continue. I didn't mean to throw you off on, on that. No, no, it's you're
1: just... good. You're good. So I kind of got busy at West Point because I had gone to public school in California and it just wasn't that hard to get good grades in public school in my town in California. So I never learned how to study. I could just sit in class and kind of listen And regurgitate well enough on homework and tests to get good grades. That was not true. That was not true at all. I had a very much artificially inflated opinion of my my intelligence until I got to West Point and where I was generously average for, for the folks there. And the first couple of years were very much a struggle to keep my GPA above the minimum. My dad also did die in a helicopter crash when I was a freshman, a plebe, as it's called. A civilian helicopter crash, actually. He would survived all the combat and other adventures with the Army and just had a mechanical failure in a civilian helicopter and died in a crash when I was a plebe. So I, I think I had that, pro- yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty damn rough. Uh, I think I had some undiagnosed depression as a result of it. So I was frankly kind of a shitty cadet from that point for a long time because I went into survival mode. I wasn't really trying to excel or make the most of the experience anymore. I was just trying to get through it. So I didn't, I didn't write much. I slept as much as I could and then did the bare minimum to make sure that I was passing my PT test and had a 2.0 GPA. I failed one course a semester because you could get away with that. So I picked one oh, wow. course. I picked one. It was, was an engineering course. I, I would pick the engineering course. because It's the hardest. <laughs> it was one year. It was discrete dynamical systems, which is a math course that I think only exists at West Point. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I'll be honest. That's one of the reasons I didn't go to West Point. Cause I, yeah. I, I was a history major and I had to take this shit. Well, I had taken, <laughs> I, had ta-
0: I had taken all the way to differential equations at like local colleges. And they're like, nope. And they wouldn't have to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, are you like uh, it's like <laughs> two years of math I gotta redo? Are you nuts? So, <laughs> so I'm And it go. was
1: always it was always first period too. I always had math or physics first period. And I'm just it's not that I couldn't grasp it, it's just that I couldn't grasp it that fucking early in the morning. You know, like I'd, like I would go in for additional instruction with a professor and they'd explain it to me and I'd be like, Oh, so you mean like this? And they would like, yeah, just it's the same thing we talked about in class, Cadet Watson. What's your problem? I'm like, sir, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm stupid. I'm stupid from zero four hundred until about zero nine hundred, and then I can think again. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you're um, night owl like
0: me, right? Yeah, which
1: is why we're, which is why it's almost like
0: one forty four where you are right now.
1: I mean, it, it is one forty four in Oklahoma right now. Yeah, but yeah, so I. Went into survival mode at West Point, wasn't writing uh, for a while, Um, started to get my shit together again, started dating the woman who's now my wife, Michelle, and that helped a lot because we were very good for each other. And, you know, just having something positive in my life helped me focus a lot and I, she found some of the stuff I had written in high school. And God bless her. She was like, this is very good. It wasn't. It wasn't very good. But it was a good attempt for somebody who had no formal training outside of English class. You're so lucky because my
0: yeah. wife doesn't like any of my stuff. So it's
1: fine. <laughs> well, well, I'll get to that. There's another iteration of this with my wife reading my, my stuff. This iteration was she read it and said, this is really creative. You're really good. You should keep writing, which was very encouraging. And so I, I you know, intermittently throughout the army, I would write more seriously or less seriously, but as busy being an officer, which takes a lot of time, and you know, new wife, growing family. We had three kids at various points while I was in the army. We still have all of them, plus a fourth from when I was a civilian. But so we're raising kids. I'm got my army career, trying to do, trying to do right by my soldiers, trying to make sure they're ready because we were year on year off deployments for a long time. So the training cycle in between was pretty brutal and trying to get the most out of it, trying to make it as realistic as possible to give these guys the best chance they can to survive in Iraq and Afghanistan. And fortunately, to have a pretty good record on that front of bringing guys home. So writing was always there, but in the backseat, right? I started engaging as a fan on a chat board called Baines Bar. It's run by our pub. Our publisher Bain, Um, which was
0: almost single handedly destroyed by, yeah,
1: and that's that's a whole nother story, yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother story. But uh, so I started engaging on Bain's Bar because I wanted to talk to one author in particular, a guy named Tom Crap. Tom wrote a book, he's written several books, but the one that I read first was called A Desert Called Peace, which you may know is a reference to how Romans. Handled insurgencies very frequently in their heyday. They created a desert, salted the earth, and right. called it peace. So the the book is very bloodthirsty. And I came across this book as I was recovering from an IED blast that had killed two my comrades and broken my arm and leg. This was um, in
0: Afghanistan or Iraq?
1: Iraq, two thousand six. Okay. My commander was Captain Douglas senzo He died. In the blast because I was riding in his Humvee and then the gunner specialist Robert Blair did not make it. The driver specialist Matthew Owens and I both were blown out of the Humvee and survived with various injuries. We're both doing okay these days. So I was recovering from that injury and as you might imagine I was not in a very charitable mood towards insurgents and A Desert Called Peace, if you've never read it, opens up with the protagonist crucifying, literally crucifying bunch of insurgents in Afghanistan. So at as one does. Yeah, as one does. And that spoke to me in my in my anger. And I read through all of his existing catalog at the time in a month. And I realized I could reach out to him online. So I befriended him on Bains bar and we just became, you know, internet pen pals, just talking about various politics, books, the military. He gave me a lot of great advice. I mean, we never or I, our service dates don't actually overlap. There's a small gap. Yeah. But he gave me a lot better advice than almost any other officer that that was in charge of me. When did he retire? Maryland. Do you know when he got out? I think it was oh4 or oh5 but before I commissioned.
0: Oh, wow. Well, he, 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 he actually he overlapped me entirely.
1: Yeah. Well, and he'd been in since uh. the, the late 70s. Yeah. So he served for a while. So I made friends with him and I was Continuing to write in the background, and I never asked Tom to look at anything because I was an army officer and I was very much against nepotism. Of any we sort. all are, I,
0: yeah. I, like that kind of stuff disgusts me. But anyway, like yeah. Yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying. I, like there are yeah. exceptions and there are things like that, but so, but but, like, but particularly family stuff. Not not a fan.
1: Yeah. yeah. So as I'm getting my career's progressing, I hit eight or nine years and I'm realizing I'm getting further and further away from the stuff I love about the army, which is honestly command. Like I love being a platoon leader, fire support officer when I had my small team of fisters attached to a mech infantry company. That was pretty brief, but I still enjoyed that. And then being a battery commander as an artillery officer, that was all great stuff. And I was, it was, when you get promoted to major in the army, you go through like an eight to 10 year cycle where it's, it's terrible you know you're just a staff officer the whole time and and maybe you get a battalion when you get promoted to lieutenant colonel at the end of that but honestly probably not for most guys you don't get your battalion because if you didn't make everyone happy along the way and you don't have glowing reports that make you sound like napoleon bonaparte all the way along the way then there's a good chance you're not going to get a battalion so I didn't have to leave, but we talked about it and we decided, okay, you know, it's time to, time to grow up, time to figure out what I want to do in the real world. And uh, I I had been wounded. I have a bunch of x-rays. So, you know, when I was getting ready to get out, I was like, okay, well, let me go talk to the doctors. And they were like, yeah, you should have been med boarded like eight years ago. You know, like you, you, (laughs) like, you shouldn't have been pushing on this stuff, you know, like. You're an idiot, you know. Like, and I was like, "Well, there were troops to lead, so I was going to keep leading them." So they were like, "All right, let's start your med board." And I was like, "Okay." And let me tell you, Sean, going through a med board in the army is awesome. Like, because here's I was expecting that I was expecting like, what is it, CIF? Like, turning equipment back in at CIF. background no. like of experience, dude. It's so cool. Like. Experience is very, I'm sure some people have been through med boards and they were absolutely awful, but my stuff was so well documented and ironclad that like none of the doctors were, were skeptical. All the lawyers involved were on my side. Like it was just very, it was a very easy process, but more than that, you remember not The Office with Steve Carell, but Office Space, the yeah. movie. Oh yeah. I was Peter from Office Space for a year in the <laughs> army. It was glorious like i told every officer exactly what i thought when they asked me my opinion i didn't pad anything I, I followed customs and courtesies you know i said with all due respect it's in the geneva convention look it up no i, I but seriously like it was very much like it was just so awesome and it was yeah, i got off work at like 1500 every day no one questioned it you know <laughs> like it was it was amazing i wasn't doing pt i was at medical appointments i don't mind working out but i didn't want to get up at five if I didn't have to. It was just glorious for a year. And one of the results was I had time to write. You know, I had time to write. Like I would, you know, there'd be time throughout the day where I wasn't doing anything. They didn't want to give me too much responsibility because I'm on my way out. Largely, I became like a dirtbag contractor consultant almost, you know, like the colonel would call me in. He'd be like, all right, you, you don't have a career to protect. What do you think? You know, like, since you've done all this, like, you've been a battery commander, you've been a battalion fire support officer, you were the brigade fire support officer for a while, you know, what do you think about this plan, and I would, since he knows I have no asses to kiss, I'd be like, sir, this part would work, this part would work, the rest of this is a pipe dream, and I could say that with no fear of retaliation. So I actually became pretty good pals with my very last battalion commander, we were, you know, on decent terms before I left.
0: See, I was super naive. I was super naive. I just, I just told it like it was <laughs> that time. I had no idea. It wasn't until I was in the civilian world that I figured I mean, out. I you did can't too, do that.
1: but I used to get chewed out for it. <laughs> like, that's the difference. <laughs> like, you know, like like I was very honest throughout my entire career, and I was frustrated because I felt that honesty should be the standard. And as we both probably know, it wasn't always necessarily the standard
0: more in the Um, military than you more in the military that like outside of the military it is not it is the like the opposite is the standard
1: yeah yeah no i get you i'm fortunate i work for a pretty good company and lots of ex-military guys so you know
0: okay yeah so coincidentally
1: yeah so all i had to say for that last year i was you know it was so chill and i had time to write it I, i finished my first novel which i Still hope to publish someday it needs needs some more work but i got an offer from a small press to publish it as was you know like they, they read like the first few chapters and like this is good I, we'd like to publish it and i won't say who the small press was because i'm still friends with that person and i really appreciate that they offered to publish it but i had enough ego that i kind of wanted it to go through a traditional house
0: yeah, we'll, and we'll I, chat we'll, we'll chat we'll chat offline
1: yeah uh like I had enough ego that I wanted to go through traditionalist. Great guy. I'll I'll recommend that dude to work with. He's again, no, no issues with that dude. It it wasn't him. It was me. So I'm agonizing. Right. I'm like, do I sell it? Like, I know I can sell a novel. Like I'll have a novel out in the world. I should do it. Right. Like I shouldn't be egotistical about this, but I really wanted my first novel to go through Bane. You know, like I really wanted that to be a thing. I just, not everything I do has to be through Bane. Like I'm happy to work with Chris Kennedy or a bunch of other small presses, but I I just wanted that first novel through a traditional house. I wanted to clear that hurdle and do that the old fashioned way, just for my own peace of mind. But I wasn't going to, like I knew some guys at Bane, especially Tom, I was pretty good friends with him at that point, but I was like, "Ah, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to try to, like we're friends because we're friends I don't want him to think that you know I was just buttering up to try to get a novel published because I wasn't you know I really appreciated his work and I really appreciated his perspective on things my wife had no such compunctions so (laughs) Michelle messages Tom Crapman because they're Facebook friends too and says Tom Justin would never ask this so I will he's about to sell his book to a small press and I think maybe Bane would be interested. It's a military fantasy. It's right in their wheelhouse. You know, it's something that, that, that I think everyone would really enjoy. Is there any, is there anyone he can talk to? You know, I'm not asking you to just like go to the head editor and pound the desk, but like, is there any, any course he can pursue with Bane? And Tom said, okay, I promised no lesser a personage than God that I would not read a friend's work unless he's already a professional and we're doing business. So I can't read Justin's manuscript because we're friends. I'll have these two people read Justin's manuscript. And if they tell me that he doesn't suck, Justin can write me a short story. And then if the short story doesn't suck, well, then I can work with And it it kind of spiraled in that. Um, He sent it to... Uh, Vivian Raper in England, who has been in a few short story anthologies with or is in one short story anthology with Tom and will be in the next one, I think, and Casey Gazelle, who read the manuscript, both of them said pretty darn good, still new, you know, it wasn't ready for primetime yet, but he's got potential. So that's how I actually broke into publishing for real to actually get published. Um, that's how I started working with Bain. I wrote a novella. I ended up writing one short story for Tom, but that anthology fell through. And then I wrote a novella for Tom in his career verse anthology, Wars of Liberation. And then through Casey, I got some Chris Kennedy publishing anthology stuff and some other Bane anthology stuff. So I've got like six pieces of short fiction and then the Romanov Rescue with Casey and Tom. So just that, uh,
0: how did an anthology fall through? Was it a Bane anthology or was it another company?
1: Uh, it was an anthology with someone else
0: okay all right all right Well, that answers uh, that answers its own question all right sorry continue so you okay so Romanov Rescue tell tell me more what's it about
1: so the Romanov Rescue is an alternate history novel and it presupposes that some of the royal family survive the execution attempt instead of the entire imperial family dying that the 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 real point of departure is General Max Hoffman, a name I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that the Brest-Litovsk negotiations takes a wrong turn down an alley and sees communist troops doing what communist troops do with civilian populations and thinks to himself, I understand why we put Lenin back in Russia. I understand we had to win or we had to try to win, but we've unleashed something terrible on the world. Communism has to be strangled in its crib. So from that, you get a rescue attempt from various POWs who were in the Russian guards units during World War I. The Germans assemble, arm, and help train a Russian force to go rescue the Romanovs, which they are partially successful at. So that's, that's the crux of it. And we, it's done pretty well, from what I understand. And we are going to have a second novel we're working on now. The title is still under debate, but we will continue the Russia, the epic of the Russian Civil War. And we have plans to take this point of departure, alternate history, all the way up through the 70s, if it continues to sell. And people continue to like it. We have, I don't want to say too much because, you know, as we're inspired, things may change a little bit, but we have a whole roadmap for how this affects the 20s, the 30s, World War II, and then the, cold, the subsequent Cold War and how that all plays out.
0: And this is pure alternate. Yep. Correct. No magic, no science fiction, like just, well, aside from just as you project forward, there might be yeah. minor turns, but not... Yeah.
1: There's no fantastical element. There's one guy made a different decision. Point of departure. There's no ACD shards. There's no time travel. Nothing of that sort. It is straight up ultimate history, which is pretty research intensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even so, for me, so, and I have a history degree, it's, I still have to look up a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff. So, I guess, yeah, Rasputin was, de- dead, was before dead, yeah. dead before That's we started? Yeah. Dead before we started because we're we start and the Romanovs are already in captivity is, is where the Romanov rescue starts off. So, so Rasputin had already been murdered.
0: All right, Just so, so So, Russian civil war remind me of like, there's like the white, the whites and the
1: reds. Is that? So the, the two primary now. factions are the white Russians and the red Russians, the, the communists, the Bolsheviks, right. the white Russians, Actually had several advantages early on in the war. They had the trained officer corps. They had a lot of the military equipment. They had a lot of the best troops. What they did not have was unity of command. So you had a series of supreme commanders, Kornilov, Kerensky, Denikin, like just one after the other. And then you have multiple commanders at the same time, not cooperating at all. So the white Russians, had they been unified and motivated early in the Russian Civil War, could very well have crushed the Bolsheviks. They had everything they needed to do it. They just couldn't coalesce and accomplish it. Now, were they Royalists or were they Democrats? They were I mean, a, I don't mean democrats, but like Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know where I'm going. You know what I mean? They they were a coalition of monarchists and people who wanted democracy but not socialism in in Russia and in the empire in general. So, but add to that, so we have the white Russians and the red Russians of the two main factions. Add to that the black Russians, which is a delicious drink with Kalua. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not what it is. Black Russians were largely Ukrainian. We might call them libertarians.
0: Cossacks, basically.
1: So sort of, now the Cossacks were something else. Again, this is why the Russian civil war is difficult because it's, yeah. you know, we say white and red, and then if you get a little more complex, you're like, oh, there's the black Russians too, that were largely focused in Ukraine under Nestor Makhno. And they were anarchists, basically. They wanted to have a minimalist government. And then you have the Cossacks who were mostly fighting for the whites, but not entirely. And were more much more tribal, effective soldiers, but also brutal soldiers who had this bad propensity to commit pogroms against Jews. It's, really rough but then on top of that you also have the green russians which is a catch-all term for local militias and bandit groups so you had just some towns that would shoot at communist or royalist troops whoever approached with good reason because either group might maraud through and take your chickens and your the grain you have stored up and leave you high and dry so and then on top of that you have you know think of all the soviet republics right you have all of those vying for independence at the same time and then on top of all that while the russian civil war is going on we intervene in siberia and around archangel along with the british the french germans for a little bit and the japanese in siberia so you have foreign interventions you have a bunch of splinter republics from the old russian empire vying for independence you have two major factions of Russians fighting it out and then multiple militias and bandit groups operating with impunity because Russia is so goddamn big. Yes, a, say,
0: say, say more about our involvement because I remember I I had to do a lot of research on the Russian Far East and I recall reading something about Americans and I don't think it was like volunteers. It was like U.S. military, right?
1: Yeah, it was U.S. military under color of authority. Now our justification for being there, we did fight the communists somewhat, but because the White Russians were so disorganized and didn't have a, appear to have unity of command, we didn't commit to the war with either expeditionary force. The the purpose of both expeditionary force was to evacuate Allied troops still in Russia. The the most famous example is the Czech Legion. This is this is something that you run into early if you start studying, but. The reason the Romanovs were actually killed when they were was that uh, Lenin, and probably Lenin, too, were receiving reports that the Czech Legion was getting closer to where the Romanovs were being kept. So they were afraid they couldn't get a relief force there in time if the Czech Legion decided to liberate the Romanovs. There's no indication the Czech Czech Legion was going to do that. Mm -hmm. But the communists were concerned enough about it that they ordered the Romanovs. Murdered. I, I won't even say executed because executed implies legal justification. Murdered by Yurkovsky and his his men. Okay. But the
0: U.S. force again. Like, do you recall what unit or some fast? Uh,
1: amongst others, I, mean... I don't recall the entire order of battle, but amongst others were the 69th Infantry, commanded by a familiar face to you, while Bill Donovan
0: like ie like the founder of the uss not founder, the founder but the, the of the uss
1: yes the founder of the oss was it part of the siberian expedition yes so so my
0: my wife's grandmother reported to him she was in nice. she was she was in the oss i, I mean i think it was like an analyst type um, yeah. but yeah anyway like lots of weird- Donovan
1: was a man among men I read his biography in preparation for this project as well and would sing to his men in battle like old Irish chanties, and like just brave as brave I as mean, a medal of honor winner you know like you know like just brave as you could ask for smart as a whip guy was a, a successful prosecutor like politically astute like without being a complete sleazeball like He's, he's going to play a big role in this series as long as it continues. So he So he was a colonel in charge of the 69th Regiment? He was the regimental commander by that point, but I would have to double check. Yeah. I mean, how old was that guy when he ran
0: the OSS?
1: Uh, he was a young colonel, though. Keep that in mind. Like, they, they made him young back then. Yeah. I can look it up. Yeah. I, sorry. I just I, I had no idea. Yeah. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. yeah, William Donovan won the Medal of Honor in um, France in World War One. Yeah, so maybe he's 20. So he would have to be... Probably his mid-20s, I think, if I remember correctly from the biography. So maybe he was in his mid-50s. Well, and he tried to go with Roosevelt's volunteers, but I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but that, that fell through. So he didn't end up going with Roosevelt instead, he ended up going with the New York Regiment.
0: Okay, so he's from New York. Yeah, he
1: originally. was Albany, um, or Buffalo, Buffalo, sorry. He was Buffalo, which that that's actually another cool thing about his biography is that they talk a lot about the Buffalo Irish community and how rich that experience was, was for him growing up, so... Fascinating. I, I didn't.
0: I didn't intend to take you like all the way, but this book sounds. i happy to uh, talk it, about it.
1: When did it come out? The like, romanov Rescue, or yeah, yeah. Um, so that was November of last year, and the paperback okay. will be out November of this year, and we hope to turn in the sequel to Bane. Hopefully, spring of 2023. We hope for a release date next year, sometime. And how's November? that process work?
0: Because there's like three authors, right?
1: There's three authors. We largely take responsibility for various point of view characters. So Tom has responsibility for the rescue force and its commander. I took responsibility in the first book for two of the guards on the Romanov family who were more sympathetic and more human, not died in the wall, communists. Because that's another thing you read about is the, the Romanov's guards were not all... Reds, necessarily. Some of them were actually quite friendly with the Romanovs, others were quite beastly. I wrote about two, two guards who were on better terms with the Romanovs, so to speak, although that's more complex than that. And then Casey in the first book had responsibility for it's on the cover, so it's not a spoiler. They used the the L59 blimp, which is a real historical aircraft that has the record for the longest lighter-than-air air air combat mission from a mission in Africa in real life. It has that. So the Germans detail the L-59 to carry the rescue force into Russia. So she wrote from the air crew's perspective. I also took all the commies. So I write all the Central Committee meetings from Sverdlov or Lenin or Trotsky's perspective. Of the three, Trotsky was probably the best, but still, you know, Still a Bolshevik.
0: Speaking of central committee meetings and the OSS, are you familiar with the simple sabotage manual?
1: I'm not actually.
0: Yeah, do, do I just do yourself a solid. After this, look up the OSS simple sabotage manual. Okay. It has basic sabotage techniques that you would use to you know, ruin railroad tracks and, and things like that. But it also oh. has techniques for ruining organizations. <laughs> So nice. It has how to run meetings, right? Where you like anytime you want to waste time on something, establish committees and then ask lots of questions. Like just any any and every dysfunctional meeting you've ever been a part of has <laughs> a section in the simple sabot- the OSS simple sabotage manual. Just nice. Trust me, it is it is
1: well worth your time. It's it's you should be the uh, the lazy hardworking officer in the Prussian paradigm of the four the the four square of officers, <laughs> um, von Manstein's matrix, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the stupid hardworking. Sorry, lazy hardworking is a paradox. But yes, von Manstein's matrix. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. That's a that's a whole other story. I. That, yeah. So when I was in grad school, General Shinseki showed up, and he met with a bunch of like in his black beret. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, (laughs) oh, yeah, that was a whole thing, right? But this is after this was, I think, after he retired or you know, after he had the on the order of several hundred thousand, and and Rumsfeld basically made him a non persona non grata for telling the truth. But they had like a they organized a breakfast up in Cambridge, and 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 he kind of related, like, are you all familiar with von Manstein's matrix? We're like, no, what is it? And he went through all the and
1: you know what was it if they're smart smart and smart and lazy those are your general officers right Yep, those are your commanders because they'll know mm-hmm. they'll know to delegate you're smart and hardworking, are your staff, staff. you're stupid and lazy are liaisons and they're and harmless
0: like ignore them And you're stupid and you're stupid and industrious they must be like
1: expunged from the military yeah, they, have to, they have to be shot because <laughs> they're too dangerous to live <laughs>
0: yeah 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 oh my lord all right well uh, yeah. Where can people find find the Romanov rescue? I mean, yeah, this, so
1: it's Seen It in the Wild in Barnes & Noble. It's where on Amazon, it's wherever fine books are sold. If you go to my website, www.justinwatsonbooks.com, we'll link it in the comments. It's right there, beautiful facing you on the front page. I really love the cover art. The, the blimp on there is very well done. But yeah, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the Bain website. It's, it's all all over the place. All right. It was a pleasure, my friend. And
0: thank you. And everybody should check out the Romanov rescue. Thanks, Sean. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Good night. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe and I'll see you next time.